Thank you for tuning in to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. We're a church in Lakewood, Washington, and whether you're listening from around the corner or from around the world, we're glad that you're here. We hope this sermon equips you to be the Christian the world needs today. If you'd like to learn more about us, head on over to lakewoodgrace.com. And now, for this week's sermon. Morning. The text, we have two texts for us this morning. The first comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, the 28th chapter, verses 1 through 10. And then the second reading will be from the Gospel according to Luke, the 23rd chapter, verses 32 through 43. Listen now to God's word to you and to me. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The second reading is from Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 43. Listen to the gospel reading from the gospel according to Luke. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, They crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar. And said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. While we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. 
Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Hey, so welcome. You are in the right place. There is no other place. God would rather have you to be than right here in God's house, worshiping God on Easter Sunday. Well done. Welcome. You are in the right place. It is good to have you. Hey, so the whole of the Easter message really comes down to this one point, one truth. And it's this. God loves you. God loves you so much that when he thought about eternity, God could not imagine an eternity without you in it. So God made a way for people like you and me, sinners, and repeat sinners at that. God made a way for people like you and me to become sons and daughters of God. And that way has a name. His name is Jesus. And it's because Jesus died on that cross rose again from the dead, it's because the tomb could not hold on to the risen Christ that those once condemned for damnation and judgment can have eternal life because of Jesus Christ. That's the Easter message. God loves you. God couldn't imagine eternity without you. So God made a way for you to become sons and daughters. Now that God has made a way in Jesus Christ, the most pressing question this morning has to do with you. What will you do in response to all that God has done for you? What will you do with the gift of eternal life offered through Jesus Christ? That's the most pressing question. And what we discover is that there were two responses to God's love in the Easter stories, in the scriptures. First is the crowds and how they dealt with the Easter story, Jesus' story. And then secondly, the thief on the cross. So we're going to take a look at these two responses to the Easter story. The crowds. The crowds had a fantastic start. Remember last week when we were waving palm leaves, singing Hosanna, Hosanna, and on Palm Sunday? And that's a fantastic start. The, the crowds start with Hosanna, Hosanna, which in the Hebrew literally means save us, save us. That's right. That's the right thing to say. And they welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem as the king riding on a colt, on a donkey coming into Jerusalem as the king of kings. Save us. What a great start. Good job, crowds. But then the same crowd that's shouting, save us, save us, receiving Jesus as king, waving their palm, is the same crowd three days later who are screaming, crucify him crucify him. So how do you go from save us 
to crucify him. Crucify him. How does that happen? How does that happen? Low commitment. Low commitment. Whether it's in relation to Jesus or in marriage or in a relationship, low commitment is always characterized by this one trait. And if you see this in your relationship, in marriage, or in, in your uh, partner and your boyfriend, girlfriend, hey, watch out. Low commitment is expressed in this one trait. It's all about me. It's all about me. Low commitment is always self-centered. What I feel, what I want, what I need, what I think. And this self-centeredness is expressed in that it demands if you and I are going to work, you're going to have to change. You have to change. Because you see, this is what I want. This is what I think. This is what I need. This is what I feel. And if we're going to make this work, you need to change. You need to change. Low commitment is selfish, always self-centered. And because it's always about me, you're the one that needs to change. And that's exhausting. It's wrong. It's destructive. The crowds, low commitment. Self-centered, it's all about me. You see, when they were shouting, save us, Hosanna, Hosanna. In the Old Testament, Hosanna meant save us from wrath. Save us from judgment. Hosanna, God, save us from the impending judgment and doom. That's what Hosanna meant. But when the Jews that day, on Palm Sunday, receiving Jesus, when they were saying save us, they weren't meaning Hosanna from the Old Testament. You know what they were saying? Save us from these stinking Romans. Save us from these oppressive rulers over us. Get rid of the Romans and everything will be fine. Low commitment. And so here's what low commitment relationships look like. When you don't get your way, you know what happens? you turn. When you don't get your way, you're out. And so you go from save, save us to kill him, crucify him. Thank God. God did not give the crowds what they wanted. Because had Jesus given them what they wanted, they would have gotten rid of the Romans. They would have reestablished Israel as a kingdom. And they would have all gone to hell. Because if Jesus fulfilled all my wants and needs, man, it would be cool for me the Mariners would be World Series champs. 
Seahawks would be perennial Super Bowl winners. The Huskies would never, never lose to the Ducks. That would never happen. And if Jesus fulfilled all my needs, all my desires, Mariners would win, Seahawks would be champs, and I'd still go to hell. I could get everything I ever wanted and miss out on the one thing I need the most. Eternal salvation, forgiveness of sin. You see, low-commitment Christianity, when God doesn't do what we ask him to do, when God doesn't do what we expect him to do, God, if you would just cure my child of cancer, I will give you the rest of my life. God, if you would just save this marriage. God, if you would just give me this job. God, if you would just give me this new house. God, if you would just do this, you got me. And low commitment Christianity, when it's all about me, and God, you got to change, because I got needs. I got, here's what I think. Here's what I feel. And when you don't behave, low Low commitment Christianity turns. Who needs a God like that? Who needs a God that can't do a dang thing? And you turn. And you go from God, save me, to crucify. We expect God to bend over backwards to change because I got needs, God. Here's what I want. Here's what I think. Here's what I need. And if you don't behave and if you don't come through, I'm out. That's low commitment, pathetic Christianity. That's exhausting. That's wrong. That's messed up. So when Jesus doesn't save Israel from the Romans, the crowds turn. And then you got the thief on the cross. And when it comes to the thief on the cross, there's no better example of what it means to be saved and how somebody becomes saved and how someone gets right with God than the thief on the cross. I love this story. This is a phenomenal story because, you see, the thief does nothing. He's already condemned because he's a thief. He's a criminal. He's already been tried and found guilty. He is guilty of death, death on a cross. And so he's hanging next to Jesus on the cross. He knows he's guilty. He's deserving of everything he gets. And yet, he gets paradise. No better story about how sinners are saved by grace and grace alone than this story. Because when it comes to getting saved and getting right with God, you see, 
It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God and what God has already done. It's all about God. It's all about Jesus. There's nothing we could ever do to earn God's love, merit, forgiveness, deserve grace. No, we're deserving of wrath and judgment. It's all God. If it's salvation, it's all grace. If it's redemption, it's all Jesus. It's all God and what God does. We're told that there were two criminals crucified with Jesus, one on his left and one on his right. The people stood watching and the rulers sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. And then the soldiers who were there, they also come up and mock him and say, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And then one of the criminals who hung there with Jesus hurled insults at him. Aren't, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And so what's happening on, in this scene as Jesus is on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, is everyone turns on him. The crowds, the soldiers, even the thieves dying with him, turn on him. They're all against him. And then the, one of the thieves says to the other, hey, we're getting what we deserve. But that man has done nothing wrong. And then, and then check this out, check this out. All that this thief does is... He turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's all he does. Is he, he's guilty. He is, he is guilty to the core. He is deserving of death and damnation. And all he does turns to Jesus. And mind you, this dude's probably never been to Sunday school. He's never gone to church. He's never gone through catechism. Probably never read the Bible on his own. All he does is he, he just turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me. And then it's crazy. Jesus says, truly, I tell you, today, you will be with me in paradise. Dang. You know, when I get to heaven, I want to talk to this guy. Because, you know, if, if you were to die today and you're standing at the gates of heaven, what would you say to gain entry? And if you answer that question, why you should be in heaven in the first person, you're wrong. Because I, because I believe, because I have faith, because I turn to Jesus, because I am this, because I am that, because I go to church, because I tithe. If you answer in the first person, you're wrong. The only right answer you can give is in the third person because he, because he 
Alistair Begg is a fantastic preacher. And this is what he says about the uh, thief on the cross. He says, think about the thief on the cross. I can't wait to find that guy one day and ask him, hey, how, how did that shake out for you? Because you never went to a Bible study. You never got baptized. You don't know a thing about church membership. And yet, you made it, dude. You made it. How did you make it? And I'm pretty sure that's what the angel at the gate must have asked this guy. What are you doing here? You don't look like the type that typically comes here. What are you doing here? And the guy says, well, I, I'm not sure. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Well, because I don't know. Hmm. You don't. Hold on a second. Let me get my supervisor. And so the angel goes and gets his angel supervisor. And the angel supervisor shows up. And so I, I, I just have a few questions for you. First of all, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? And the guy, the guy's like, never heard of it in my life. Well, okay then. Let's just get to the doctrine of holy scriptures. And the guy's just staring. And eventually, the supervisor angel, in frustration, asks, then, on what basis are you here? And he says, the man on the middle cross said I could come. Now that's the only answer. That's the only right answer. The man, he said, I could come. So the scriptures tell us to all who receive Jesus, to all who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So look, Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Christ rose from the dead so that sinners like you, me, can have redemption. So the God question is not, does God love you? That's a given. Look at the cross, man. It's already done. He's already done everything. The only question this morning is, which are you? A crowd? Here's what I need. Here's what I think. Here's what I want. Are you the thief on the cross? Guilty to the core. And all you did was turn to the man on the middle cross. Which are you? To all 
who receive Jesus, to all who believe in his name, God gives the right to become children of God. Let us pray. Hey, God, thank you so much. Goodness gracious. Every single one of us here is guilty. Sinners in need of a Savior. And so listen, man, if you're visiting with us and you're here for the first time, welcome. So glad you're here. And look, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord, I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But I'm going to ask you to have a conversation with Jesus. And it goes something like this. If you've never said yes to Jesus, you'd say something like this. Jesus, I am a sinner, guilty, in need of a Savior. So I turn to you. Forgive my sins. If you've said that prayer, welcome. Well done. That's the whole purpose of Easter. To the rest of us who have said that and have been struggling with low commitment faith, it's not about you. It's not about your needs, your wants. It's not about you. So I invite you to turn once again to the man on the middle cross and surrender. You change. You change. And declare it's all about you, Jesus. God, thank you so much for Easter. Thank you so much for the proof of your love. We love you, God. Thank you for grace. Thank you for Jesus. In whose name we pray and all of God's people said, amen. Thank you again for listening to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and then head on over to lakewoodgrace.com slash connect where you'll find a link to contact us or you can fill out a communication card. Have a wonderful week. God bless.